so you guys might say, well, like, how did, how did you become, or how did you start trying to become a better leader? One of the things that I did is I started to run one-on-one -on -one meetings once a month with my leaders. And the questions that I asked them are, are questions that were in person, like that, that were um, very important uh, to me and to them, and I wanted to make sure they were doing right. So um, I would ask them, like, does your life have joy and peace? Like, are you doing okay? How's your personal devotion to Jesus Christ? Do you, do you still keep your prayer time alive in your own life? How's your marriage? How's your family? I have a personal staff that's single, so I ask, how's your singleness going? You know, and are, are you doing okay with that? Yeah. Does anybody ask me questions? Yeah, I have um, my, my coach I meet with once a month, and he checks in with me and makes sure that like, my marriage is doing well and that hey, he holds me accountable to that list, which is one of the main reasons why that list is getting done. But um, the, the main, the main I have a, uh, I'm on the state council in my denomination, and so I have a really, really cool state overseer. His name's Tony Cooper, and um, I'm in relationship with him. He's always checking in on me, because that stuff's rare. You know, like one, one of the things is like a senior leader of a church is like if you don't actively seek it, you're not going to have it, you know, typically. So, um, and you might say, well, why don't you just have people in your church hold you accountable? Uh, Brian Connolly is my best friend. He holds me accountable. Um, and, uh, and Brian Cutshaw, my other coach. So I, I have those, those people in my life that are checking on me. The, um, the motivation of what is your motivational level at work? Because I want to know, like, are you motivated? And I need you to be honest. Like, if you're not, like, well, what, why? What's going on? Not because, like, oh, well, I, like, I'll have to get rid of you then. It's like, well, what's going on in your life that you've lost motivation around this? Are you called to something else? Like, do we need to, or are you just in a low season? Or do you have hard circumstances? Like, how can I help you? Not uh, an evaluation of, like, come into the one-on-one. -on -one, now we're going to evaluate you. This is all personal and relational. Because I want my people to do good, and I want them to enjoy what they're doing. I ask them, are you taking time to explain the why to those around you and under you? Are you able to paint the, the picture, uh, paint the vision for them of, of where the ministry is headed? Are you explaining to them how they fit into that big picture? What is your current or next step for personal growth? Because that's important. Development is, is important because I want my people growing. Um, I want them growing as leaders. I want them growing personally. Um, so, some of them uh, have started to go through the ordination process in my denomination. And that's how they're, they're growing personally. Uh, technical, how can I, how can you be better at your job? What area of improvement do you need to work on? And how are you training those under you? Because I, I want to make sure that, that they're, they're training. I don't have it on here, but with technical, I always ask them, what do you need from me? Do you need me to purchase something for you? Do you need training? Like, what is it that you need? I want to make sure that you have it. And the, one of the reasons why, like, we can do that, I was telling Tim today, like, we don't have, we don't have a, um, financial issues at our church anymore because um, we, we've started to give away like, it wasn't overnight, but now we give away 30% of what comes in. And the amount that we give away is way more than what we used to collect the first year that I was the senior pastor there. But every month that we were in the black, we gave away another percent until we got to 30%. And I've never, I, I've never been short on staff. I've never have had my financial treasurer say, no, we can't afford that. We're not sloppy, we have a budget. But we've never had lack, and we should have a ton of it. If you're giving away 30% of your money, you should be tiny. And God's amazing, like when it comes away to, to giving and supporting other ministries. We also just, uh, Faith Like Birds is now housed at our church. We just gave them an office. That's Brian Conley's ministry. 
So what problems are you trying to tackle? What problems are on the back burner? Because people usually let problems really sit back there for a long time. What problems do you see church-wide? Because I want to know if they see something. What is your top four goals of this month? What are your goals for the year? What four people do you need to connect with that would be the, make the most impact? Do you have any ideas that you need to share with me? Do you have any suggestions for me? What habits do you need to make systematic in your life? And what leadership role still needs to be made systemic? Like relational, motivational, development, and technical. What, which one are you working on? Like, what, what do you see your next baby step being? And sometimes people come in there, and at first, like, people didn't like the, this set of questions, you know, because they were like, oh my gosh, this seems like a lot. I don't need answers to every one, but I need you to make, be making baby steps in these areas, right? So I don't expect everyone to have an answer for everything. Sometimes they just say, I don't have anything, and that's fine. But the fact that they know that I'm going to be asking them this question gets them thinking when they're leaving, I need to be doing a better job at that. And they do. Like my, my people are, they're amazing. A little bit of accountability around leadership goes a really, really long way. Any questions about this? You might say, well, what do I do with this? Well, if, if you guys have a leadership team of people, you can ask them these questions. Say, how are you doing? Because the best thing that like, you could do as a, uh, I call that position a tech director. Is that what you guys call it? Okay, so like the, the best thing that you could do as a, uh, as a, a tech director back there is, is you make sure that like, okay, well, we have a visuals and we have sound and then you have me managing it, right? And then, but like, like you should have a vision for your next position. What would be your next position? Well, I actually wanna have a stage hand so that like whatever needs to happen up here the people up here aren't worrying about it. They're part of our tech team, and they're handling it up here. Well, that's pretty cool. What's, what's the next step? Well, well, after that, like, man, we, we'd probably be at over 100 people, and I, I'd actually want to be able to just, just film it. And I actually want somebody out here actually filming it. And then we'd be able to take, take a video. And then I, want, then I want to have somebody producing it and, and cutting it up and, and condensing it. It's like, OK. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're, not even, you're so far removed from tech, and you're just managing people. You know what I mean? And then they're coming with their ideas and their creativity, and which reminds me of another point. As they're, as they're coming with all that stuff, this is, this is what occurred to me one day. I'm sitting in a room with my people, and they're all staring at me, and I'm staring at them, and they're getting ready for me to say something. And I was like, but it occurred to me. I said, I'm like, I'm not the smartest person in the room anymore. I used to be the smartest person in the room. I'm not, I don't even love Jesus the most anymore, like Amy Gutwalt does. You know? And, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, these people blow me away. The power is them. Yes, I have the authority, but all the power is in them. It's not in me. And that's a very biblical concept. Who does God give power to? The church. Who has the authority? He does. And what does authority do? It gives power to people to accomplish the task that needs to be done. So I'm sitting in the room and it occurs to me that all of the power in the room is in the team, not in me, and I'm just so thankful to be there. Now, you know what the one thing that I have that they don't have? Still most handsome. Good. <laughs> <laughs> he used my joke. Yes. I was like, man, I'm still, I'm still the most handsome in the room. Thank goodness. But see, that, those, and you don't have to ask those questions, but like, if you have a leadership team and you're calling them and saying, like, hey, how you doing? You don't, don't ask them all that question like you're quizzing them. But just say, like, hey, how, how's your prayer life going? Well, actually, it's not going too well. Oh, man, like, well, what's, 
well, how can I pray for you? What, what's going on in your life? How is your marriage doing? Like, people need somebody who cares. And once somebody cares, they'll do anything for the Lord through your ministry because they know that their leader cares about them. And that's what people want to see. They, oftentimes, we try to send people a bill um, and we haven't, we haven't laid down our lives enough for them to pay the bill we're asking them to pay. Does that make sense? So we're saying, like, well, I need, I need someone to volunteer and do this. And it's like, well, that takes relational, that's a relational exchange. Trust isn't there yet. But if trust was there, they'd be there in a heartbeat. So it's not like, well, I got to find people to do the job. It's like, well, no, I need to hang out with people and build relationships so that we can do the job together. Does that make sense? So we have a security team, right? They're the people that guard, guard the Keurig. They go out and shoot together, targets. Like they go to the shooting range together and they train. That's their training, but they're just having a blast. You know, and then they go get wings and they just have fun together. Then they're there on a Sunday morning together doing the job that they've been called to do. And they love it. You know, the same thing's true with our worship team. Our worship team and our tech team are actually like, they've congealed this past year. And they have, they not only do they have a quarterly get together, they have an every other month get together. All they do is get togethers. And it's like a lot of families, because there's a lot of families, kids, and um, all the kids play together and they're outside and it's like they're at somebody's house who has a pool. And these people hang out all the time, but they're in mission together, but they're also like family. Does that make sense? Okay. Some of you already have this sheet. Yeah, go ahead. When you list off your suggested action items, will those be ordered by what you feel is priority? Yeah, there's, there's three things that are priority. Um, it's, it's your greeters, it's your children's, and it's your guest orientation. But I will. You know, and some of them are going to be minor fixes. Like Some of them aren't going to cost you a dime. And then some of them are kind of like major. Does everybody have one of these? You probably got one yesterday, but if you need another one, that's fine. So you guys have heard me talk about the why a lot. and um, I don't know if you guys know who Simon Sinek is. I, I like Simon Sinek. He deals in humility a lot. And he talks about um, people oftentimes try to sell people on the what. This is what we're doing. Um, Hey guys, after uh, church today, we're gonna get together and we're gonna just kind of throw out some things in the trash. And, and uh, so we're looking for some people to help us throw things out in the trash. And like everyone's like, okay, you know? And nobody's really signing up. Hey guys, we have guests that come to the church and right now there's some clutter inside of our church and we're presenting to the people outside who are trying to get to know Christ that we don't actually care what this place looks like. So we're gonna do some spring cleaning next Sunday in which we're gonna gather all this stuff together. We're going to form teams. We're going to mark things. And we're going to get rid of a lot of things that are just kind of cluttering around the church. We're going to present the best church we possibly can to our guests so that there's no stumbling block in front of them to getting to know Christ. And they understand that we're serious about this. Do you guys see the difference? So the one is the what. Nobody ever raises their hand on the what. Most people raise their hand on the why. And then the next thing that I noticed, if there was a fourth thing at the church, the how People, like what I've noticed in, in leaders and, and in the language of leaders is that I need to get somebody to help me with the what or I need this what done, but there's not enough time spoke, like, focused on the how. How is that going to get done? 
on a regular basis, what are the needs? So I was telling Tim, like, there seems like there's a lot of building needs, like in the church, that there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done. This church is not, this church is huge. This is not a one-man job. Like, no, there's not going to be one person. If it was your full-time job and all you had to do was fix things around here, I believe you could keep up with it. But since that's probably not going to happen, like, I was just saying, like, man, well, what if there was, like, a men's breakfast once a month, and then the men got together, this is what we do at our church, and they work on the building together. Like, we just cleaned out a boiler. Well, I say we. I'll tell you, these six guys got together. They ordered pizza, and they got welding tools and a dumpster, and they cleared out our boiler room. Do you guys know what a boiler room looks like at a school? You know how, how big that boiler is? They're sitting there. They got their goggles. I don't even know where welding tools came from. But these people had them. And they, they sat there and they got rid of the boiler. And then we have these humongous like, things that are like huge vents. And it's just scrap metal. And it's probably like two tons of scrap metal that they're carrying out of this room. We got a quote to get it done uh, by a professional. Do you know how much they quote us to clean out the boiler room if it's metal? And they were going to keep the metal? 12 grand. Yeah. And these guys got it done in two days. Six guys, probably eight hours. You what? And sold the scrap metal, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and like and they got to have community because they were talking the whole time. You know, as they did that together. Mm-hmm. So now what? How do you heat the place? Uh, we have HVAC systems everywhere. That's how the place gets heated. You know, like that old noisy boiler? No, that was that was thirty grand a year to run. That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. Do you guys have this page? Uh, Doug, can I ask you to actually print me off? Give me 14 copies. I got, I got one yesterday. Okay. No, it's okay. So I'm still on this tool right here, right? So um, your why is your central belief. It's the concept that motivates you to get out of bed in the morning. In terms of an organization, it's the reason you're in business. According to Simon Sinek, Apple does this extremely well, and it's the key to Apple's success. So Apple's always talking about the why and what it is that they're doing. So um, if you talk to people who know tech, they'll tell you that like, Apple isn't the best uh, product out there. Like, there are actually better products, but they're the best at talking about the why you need to own a product. So they're very good at it. Um, I think they are, too. They, I, I love them. So the why leads to the how and what. The why, this is the vision of your company, your business, your church. It's the motivation behind your service or product. It's the mission that you stand for. The how are the practical steps you need to take to achieve your why. The how is the practical operational knowledge that brings the vision to life. That, the how is the kind of the systems at which things operate. So that, like, a lot of the things that this church are like piecemealed together, and it's not a, a concrete system. It's a lot of individuals that take something upon themselves to get this little piece of it done, as opposed to this is the system for how we do this. It's 
uh, Tony, when he feels like it, does it. You, you know what I mean? And that's not a system. That's not all your systems, but that's, 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 that's some, of the, some of the issue. It says, uh, the what is the product or service you're selling? It's the tangible part of your company or church, and it's also the easiest to identify. So, like, again, we're not, we're not, we're not telling people about the what. So if I were to say to you, do you want to come to church with me on Sunday? Sure. That's what we're doing. Oh. But if I told you this, hey, do you want to grow closer to God and experience him in an awesome way? Well, yeah, that's why you go to church. You know what I mean? The, the what is we go to church, but the why is that you want to get closer to God and experience a, a fellowship together. So that's, that's just something that like, you can just get better and better at. And it's better that you understand why you're doing what you're doing. And if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, why are you doing it? You know? and, and once you hear yourself saying the why over and over again, it gets really, really important to you. Thank you so much. I will, I'll take the uh, color copy. All right. How many of you would like more people to participate? Okay. I'm going to show you. Now, I, I tell people that they're not allowed to advertise or try to get people to participate without doing like these six things. Okay? So obviously the first one we just went over. These are six things to remember when gaining participation for a ministry or event. The why comes first. So when we do video announcements, the person speaking is not allowed to say what is happening. They're only allowed to talk about why we're doing what we're doing. Okay? The slide comes up and tells you all the what. The why is up to the speaker. And so he speaks over the slide and says, we, um, women, are you looking to connect with other women? Would you like to have relationships that are inside of the church? We have a women's tea that is coming up on the, well, we have a women's tea coming up and then all the dates and all the information are there. That's the what. Uh, personal invitation. So a lot of times, we'll, we'll get up here and we'll say, hey, guys, we're looking for volunteers. We're hoping, or like, people will go to Tim and say, Tim, I need you to plug, plug my ministry because I need volunteers. Nothing works like a personal invitation. It, it's a... Um, it's words, they would be more winsome than me. Yeah, so if you were, let's say, uh, Ron's over here. And uh, I'm up here and I say, hey, I need, I need some guys to volunteer to help fix up the building this weekend. And like, that's an indirect invitation to Ron. If I text Ron, hey, Ron, you'd be perfect for helping out this weekend. Will you help me in the building? It's a yes or no question. Which brings up my next point is we, you, you have to put people to a point of decision. They're allowed to say no. Yes. Everyone's allowed to say no. But you're not allowed to like not put people to a point of decision. I used, when I was a smaller church, I used to love the clipboard. This is why I love a clipboard. You'd hand the clipboard, and it says, will you help this Saturday? Please check. Please write your name and write yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it was like, write your name down, and then mark yes or no. Well, why? Because I want everyone to be put to a point of decision. Because when you don't put someone to a point of decision, they don't have to decide. And it's OK to say no, but I at least need to give you the opportunity to say yes. Directly. So, like when I when I usually when I when I speak on volunteering, like at my church, I have a, a volunteer card that's on every chair with a pen, right? And I say at the end of it, I'll say, "Hey guys, can you get out the volunteer card?" 
If you already serve, can you write your name on the card and just put a little star at the top? If you don't yet serve, will you please mark where you would consider? And if you don't want to serve, you don't mark anything. But this is why you want to serve. I just spoke for it on like 45 minutes. So this is why you want to serve. Just as a reminder, we want to encourage you to take this step. It's one of the first steps you take at our church to connecting to our body. If you feel like you don't really belong, it's because you have decided that you don't want to belong yet. This is your opportunity. Come be on a team with us, right? So it's a point of decision. The next thing is this, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, There's a thing called the rule of seven in business. It takes seven times seeing something before we are comfortable with it. Um, people are drowning in information. Make sure that your info stays at the forefront. So um, there's a, uh, when it comes down to it, like a lot of times, like we have our eyes on what we're doing and then we're wondering why people aren't helping us. What we're doing isn't in front of them, usually ever. And people just think that the churches and all its programs just run magically. Like somehow they're just kind of, you know, happening. But no, like it actually takes work and it actually takes effort. And you want to make sure that people can see your ministry and that it's not out of sight, out of mind. It's in the forefront and that they can see it. Like if I'm in this church and I'm running a ministry, you guys have bulletin boards. I would put up uh, a picture of my own face, the ministry that I run, or a picture of the ministry along with my face so they recognize me and say, looking for volunteers. And I'd have it on that board and I'd have it on that board. Right? I would, to the, to the degree that Tim would let me, I would keep my ministry in people's faces, not hidden on some night that's not advertised and then wonder why people aren't really showing up to it. Because they're not invited, no one's put to a point of decision ever, and it's out of sight, out of mind. And the last thing, um, well, not the last thing, but the convenience is king. Uh, I can't tell you how convenient convenient our society is now and how convenient things need to be for people. We use QR codes a lot. Like when we give announcements, the QR code comes up on the screen. And if you put your camera on it, it takes you right to our sign-up page so that you can sign up for whatever event that we're doing. But it's like convenience is king. So whatever is most convenient, those cards are right there. It's not um, fill out this card. You're going to take it to Sally. Who's Sally? Who knows? But you're going to take it to Sally. She's going to be in the back. She's going to be out in the lobby. It's like, no, that's too far of distance. Hey, guys, fill out that card. We're going to pass a basket around for you to put the card in. So it's like, there's no steps. It's just fill out the card and put it in the basket that's being handed to you. You know what I mean? A lot of times we'll do something before a sermon. Then we expect people to do what we told them to do in the lobby 45 minutes after a sermon. They already forgot the announcements, and they've already forgot most of the sermon. You know what I mean? So it's like... So we, we, they remember the main points. So like when people go, it's like, no, like in the moment, put them to a point of decision and make them decide on the spot. It's always okay to say no. You know what I mean? You don't want to twist somebody's arm because they're not going to be too, too much of a help when they're there. You want people who want to be there. You want to come back and share testimony about how awesome it is and how much fun it was and how much community you had? You can do that. You know, the last thing is a volunteer ratio is is 4.5 to 1, the 80-20 rule. Um, And so this is what I don't let people do anymore at my church. I'll take the women's ministry. The women's ministry will come to me and say, we want to have an event. And I'll say to them, how many people do you want to be there? And they'll say, well, we want to make sure we want to have a goal of 200 women that are there. And I'll say, then show me the list of 40 volunteers. But it's got to be 80-20. So you're not allowed to have a goal without having that many volunteers participating. Does that make sense? So you know 
At, yeah. People attending that service. Yeah, five to four, yeah, so people. If you want more people at a service, you have to have mm -hmm. more meaningful jobs for volunteers to do. Mm -hmm. Or anything, you know what I mean? Same thing with the youth group. Like, well, we, have, we, have, we have a lot of volunteer positions for youth on a Sunday night. We've got greeters. We actually have security. You know what I mean? We actually have um, all kinds of volunteer positions. But anyway, um, yeah, and it works. Uh, we used to do women's teas, and 25 women came out. There was 180 women at our last event. You know, and it's because we had 40 women that were helping with the event. Actually, it was a, it was the youth group and like 15 other women. So, not the whole youth group, just some of them. So. Um, one of the one of the things that that I that I haven't figured out yet um, um, is prayer ministry, and we have uh, Heather that does a little bit of worship, and then we have me that leads it. So guess how many people show up to it? Ten. Ten. Ten to eight people show up to prayer meeting because there's two of us that are volunteering there. You know, I'm not trying to obsess over that number. I'm just saying it's very hard to not see it everywhere after you learn that principle. That reminds you know? me of one of my favorite prayer quotes, which says, if 10% of the church shows up for prayer meeting, the pastor is elated. Uh -huh. But if 10% of the worship team shows up for practice, the worship pastor is elated. Mm -hmm. So we got to... No, and, and the, reason, the reason that's true is, is because... Like, again, if I, had, if I had 27 volunteer positions at prayer meeting, there'd be 100 people there, yeah. you know? <coughs> I just haven't... Have to be meaningful. They can't be yeah. stupid, fake things to give somebody a sucker. Yep. Yep, they'd have, they'd have to be meaningful. Um, does anybody have any questions? No, no. I, I can think. I can think of. Um, it'd be awesome. A parking lot greeter would be meaningful. One at the entrance when you came in. One in the lobby would be good. Your children's volunteers, and then after that, it's like, then you really, really, you get to the point where there's there's positions you guys need to fill, and once those are filled, yes, you don't want to make up positions to just make up positions because people know if what they're doing really matters. You know what I mean? So it would really have to matter. You know, and then, and then that actually involves a lot of your visionaries and your future thinkers, and it's like, what kind of positions could we have here? Like, what, what kind of roles need to be filled? I, I, have, I have a, um, I'm, not, I'm not put together well. Um, I, I put on a collared shirt when I came here, just to impress you guys. A lot of you guys were when I did. <laughs> and, um, but I prefer sweats and a sweatshirt and, uh, and sandals in the winter. And, um, no, just cheap, like beach ones. So when I, when I. Um, you and Carrie, put, get on some socks. It's cold. I know. You can't wear socks and sandals. Yeah, don't wear socks. Then don't wear sandals. <laughs> <laughs> it's the winter. I had a, um, 
So I, I have this position at my church. It's probably the most important position. It's the same guy. It's the only position that's always the same guy because he just knows me so well. And his name is Matt Graham. And he knows that I'm going to forget any kind of illustration I need. He knows that my notes aren't going to be where they need to be. He knows that I'm not going to turn off my mic when I step off the stage. He knows that, that I'm not going to turn my mic on when I get on the stage. And like, he stands like, like this is where I sit, and, he, and he's right here. And like, you know how there's like a shield bearer? He's like my ADD bearer. And he makes sure that I'm like actually like with it. And he makes me look so good. You know, because I've been, I've, if you can catch me on some of our online services where my mic is on and I'm singing, you know what I mean? And it's, I've been told it's not good <laughs> from, from people. They'll text me on my phone and say, your mic is on. And you sound awful. I'm like, oh, forgive me. You know, that's when Matt's not there. But like, it's a really meaningful position because whatever it is that needs done, and I've watched God bless him like, amazingly. What does he do? What all does he do? He's a, he's a chemical engineer. And um, he, like, just, just for example, he, he was at his job, and he really works hard. And he was making about 75 grand a year. And um, he was doing three people's jobs. Like, there was three of them in his unit. They fired the one, and then there was two of them, and then they fired the other. And then they expected him to do the job of three people. And he actually did it. And he was doing really well, and he went to them one time, and he said, I, I'm going to need a raise. Um, and here's my case. Like, I, I've, I save you guys 140 grand a year by doing everybody's job. They said, no way. And, and he said, well, then I don't need to work here. And he left, and he went somewhere else um, for, yeah, for, and he was only making 65 grand. And, and he's a tither, so I don't like to see that. I don't, I don't like to see decrease in someone's life who's tithing. Uh, two months went by. They called him and said, would you come back? And now they pay him a hundred grand, and he has two employees underneath of him. They experienced the lack of him in their <laughs> Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And they gave him six figures and two people under him. Yeah. And, uh, but nobody deserves it like that guy. I've never seen such a servant's heart, you know. He's, he's really, really good. So, so I, got, I got a question. Yeah. I don't grasp it. You know what I mean? I don't understand. I want to understand it. I don't know why it does it, but it's just true. You know what I mean? Like, Stan, I'll give you an example. When I asked Abby to come on the worship team, her family started coming to church, and then her mom started bringing the people that her mom's ministering to. And now that she's not on the team, the family's kind of drifting away. See what I'm saying? And that's one girl. Yeah. It kind of connects with tithing in a way because it never makes sense when you give money you don't have, but you see that fulfillment from God. Yeah. It doesn't make mathematical sense. It doesn't. But it, it, it does it, you know? And if I had to guess, and I, I said this, I think I said this yesterday, but um, if I had to take a guess that if I'm God and I have these sheep and I'm in this county and I have potential sheep too, that people who, who are going to find me, and I see a church that's equipping the saints to, be the, to, um, to serve, um, then I'm probably going to send my sheep to the place where they'll most likely be equipped to serve. That's, that's how I see it. Okay. You know? Stan, that is a fantastic question. Yeah, I mean, I still ask myself that question. I, and I... I actually, like, what you start to do is, if you guys know pastors, you can go to the pastor and say, hey, I'm curious, how many, um, 
and you don't know their congregation, you say, how many, how many uh, volunteer positions do you have on a Sunday? And they're like, let me think. What was my first answer to you? I don't know. You said, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't even ever thought about that before. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you say to them, let me guess, you had this many people on Sunday. They'll be like, how'd you know? And just exactly. be like, magic. Yep. Anybody else have any other questions? I don't have my, um, my phone on me. Okay. So this is, this is what I, that I, I would do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to print out. You, there's all these printouts up here. You can see how organized I am. Um, there's these printouts and that if you guys don't have any of these, I would, I would take these. And I would just sit down and just look at them. And I don't expect you guys to apply all of these sheets. But I would pick out one sheet and say, OK, how does this impact me as a leader? How can I actually apply it? What do I need to do a better job of? And those things that I showed you yesterday about the relationship, the motivation, the technical, just think to yourself, like, okay, like, if I was going to be a better leader, if I was going to, because what is, what is being a better leader? Well, you came here to this training, so that's, that's kind of humility. And you want to be excellent at it. Well, that's humility, too. So that means God's going to draw near you as you begin to apply what it is that you learned. So I'll take more of God's grace in my life. I appreciate that, right? But you're going to say to yourself, okay, how do I apply something? And how do I take one month and take one baby step. If you took one baby step every month, you'd be a, a completely different le- leader in like four months, you know? Because going from like on a leadership scale of one to 10, and let's just say like you're at a one, and you go to a two, you're twice the leader you were before. You, you know what I mean? So you're gonna see like incremental growth like crazy. Like it's so awesome. Like as soon as you put on the identity as a leader and you actually begin to take baby steps in being a better leader in those four areas towards your people, if you guys actually formed a leadership team and said, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. I just want to have you guys over to, for, for dinner once a month. I just want to talk about the ministry and what it possibly could be. And you actually began to identify what kind of person they are. Are they an implementer? Are they a visionary? Are they a coach? Are they a counselor? And you're beginning to see like, yeah, I see this problem in the ministry. And like, you don't see a problem, but they say they see one. You're like, interesting. Tell me about it. What do you think we should do about it? You know, and you're like, oh, yeah. Because what if somebody actually names the problem that's holding back the ministry, and you did something about it, and all of a sudden the ministry's not held back anymore? That's the power of the team, right? And so then you're meeting with that team. You're encouraging that team. You're getting them excited. You're sharing the why with them. All of a sudden, your ministry just starts to like be noticed. And this is the challenge that I give every single person at my, at my church. I say this. What if Praise Community Church was known for its greeters, children's ministry, worship, security team, tech team? What if it's your ministry that we're known for because you're doing it in that kind of excellence? That's the goal that I give everybody every year. And I say to them, I want your, I want your ministry. I'm your biggest cheerleader. I want our church to be known for your ministry, not my teaching. Right? I'm going to teach the best that I can. I'm going to lead the best I can, but I want our church to be known because of how well you do your ministry. So that's, that's, that's my goal towards my people. Does that make sense? Yeah. And we have, we have some pretty, pretty awesome. Um, I liked what you said about, this was a, from our conversation earlier where you said, because I said, how did you get your praise? And you said, they hired you as a youth pastor because you found them on monster.com. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and you, were, you were like, these people are amazing. I just, if they trust this guy, maybe, maybe he's trustworthy. But he turned out not being trustworthy. But yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But you still have those people. Yeah, those people are still awesome. <laughs> some of them. Yeah. Yes. Some of them. Yeah. So um, just just moving forward, I just want I just want I want you guys to just hear this again. You all, you all. I think everybody knows in here that they can be better leaders, but I need you guys to all hear that you are leaders. You are leaders, and you can be better at it. And I tell myself that all the time. I said, um, you, you can be a better leader, but you are a leader, and you can be a great one. And I just ask myself, what would a great leader do? And before I get into doing ministry, I always make sure that I do leadership first. Does that make sense? So I don't want to do ministry. I want to lead before I do ministry. Explain. What I mean by that is... For me, this is my ministry. It's a sermon. I want to make sure I lead before I do my sermon. I need, because, going back to... Um, Eisenhower's decision matrix. This sermon is something that's urgent and important. There's a deadline on it coming up. It's next Sunday. Leading is never urgent, but it's the most important. Therefore, it goes first. And then I give the sermon the time that I have after I lead. So what do what I mean by lead? Well, so, what do you mean by lead in terms of your sermon? This is what I mean. Oh, yeah. Railroad. So before I get to my sermon, I'm going to make sure that I'm ready to go for my staff meeting. My staff meeting is actually more important than my sermon. My staff meeting is where I have the most impact with my staff. And that's where I lead. When I'm doing a sermon, I'm not necessarily leading. I'm teaching, and I'm not saying that that's not important. But this, when I meet with my staff, I'm developing people. I'm, I'm igniting relationships. I'm motivating them, and I'm, I'm holding them accountable to what they're, what they're doing. It doesn't seem like the staff meeting's urgent. It's the most important thing. And I really make sure that I put my time into my staff meeting before I put my time into my sermon. I really make sure that I, that I, that I have my relationship with my people right before the sermon. Because if this isn't right, who cares? Like, I, you know what I mean? I'm not mean like, the what? I'm so used to writing R slash P. It's relationship. That's how we write relationship in New York. It's R slash P. There you go. It is? Yeah. It's such a long word. Or something. I know. I'm like, oh, it doesn't even fit under here. But um, so like this stuff is more important than ministry because this is leadership. Right? And I would like to get to the point, like I just had a, a, a 12-year-old boy uh, preach for me the other, other week. And um, did he do a good job? He did a great job. That's awesome. And I was literally really nervous for him because I couldn't do that at the age of 12. And he got up there. You know what he told me? He goes, I said, what are you preaching on? Because I was coaching him, you, you know? And I was teaching him how, to, how do you write a sermon and how do you, what should you do when you're up there and, and how do you keep people's attention? And I said, the greatest trap a public speaker could ever do is think that people are listening because you're standing at the front and people are looking at you. That doesn't mean they're listening. And I said, you really have to relate to people. This is how you, and I'm coaching him on all this stuff. And I said to, to him, I said, so what are you going to preach on? He goes, I think I'm going to preach the gospel. 
And he got up there and he preached the simple gospel of what Jesus Christ had done for him and what Jesus Christ can do for you. And then he had an invitation. I'm getting ready to cry here. He had an invitation for people to come forward and accept Christ and people did, you know? And it was just like, it was like, come on, you know? It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And, and that Sunday, um, I, I've been a part of, of services where we've done Youth Sunday, where we have like the youth group come out and do worship. And it, like, no offense against youth, they just don't have the skill or the experience. So it's not really that good. It was really good. You know what I mean? Because people were leading well. So people were taking private lessons. People were taking singing lessons. This wasn't like something they put together last minute. They had practiced 20 weeks out to do one service. They knew the songs they were going to do. We had children up there. They did a, um, uh, it was so cool. They did a, uh, uh, we had the, 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 there's a, not that we have a, a, a dance team. We don't. But we have, um, once in a while, this 13-year-old girl will gather little dancers that attend our church together and create a dance with them. Yeah. And then they'll dance um, on the stage, and she'll direct from the floor. And it just, you, just, you just cry every time little girls are dancing, you know, because they always get to this free, freestyle spot where they just go freestyle with it, and it's, it's amazing, you know. And, um, and then our, our, children, our children got up there and did a song that they had been practicing. It was just, it was just powerful. And, and I realized it's not that the kids are talented. It's that the people are better leaders. You know what I mean? This became more important to them. And so here I am experiencing their excellence because they became more excellent as leaders. Does that make sense? We just didn't have that before. You know, but we had, we had it this year. So the next step, again, is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this assessment. I'm going to turn it into Tim. I'm sure Tim's going to show it to you guys. And there's going to be a lot of suggestions. And it's not about, um, well, we got to do all this stuff right away. It's like, no, you're going to take baby steps with the assessment. And the things that you can do, you're going to do. And as you see little steps taking place, and as you actually, especially, I'm telling you, as soon as you get your greeters and your children's ministry, you guys have the talent, you have the facility, you have great people here. As soon as those two things get up and running, like things are going to really like take off. And then you're going to try to be keeping up with how many people you're getting. You're going to try to be keeping up with getting these people connected and plugged in and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really, really excited for you guys and what God has for you. And I, I think what you guys are going to find is that you're never going to say to yourself, man, I wish it was like that. I'm not saying that you guys say that. But I think you guys are going to find yourself in a different season where it's never been like this before. We've never done leadership like this before. We've never actually been giving God this kind of glory in our leadership the way that we have been. And you're going to see the effect of that on the people. And the people are going to be really excited for what God's doing. There's going to be a ton of testimony. Because once you build systems alongside of the Spirit, the Spirit, it's not that you're supporting the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't need to be supported. Yes. And you're honoring the Lord so he draws more near, so there's more spiritual activity. So it's just really, really good. Is there, I want to end with just any kind of questions that anybody has. I know you've already asked a few. Does anybody have any, else have any other questions? I can try to answer them. So if I wanted to bring an overseer of another church, if I wanted to bring a group of leaders up for a day, is uh, a possibility? Yeah, you mean New York? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a possibility. One of the things that I actually tell my people to do is... is um, 
anybody who's in charge of a ministry, everybody has a, a pass to go to a different church on a Sunday morning and go see what they do. And I want you to go see what somebody else is doing because if you go and see what somebody else is doing, it might give you an idea that you never thought of before. And I don't care if you copy what it is they're doing. It's all one kingdom, right? And they'll come back and then they'll form relationships with that person and that person has ran into the same problems that they're running into. And then they, it's just like really, my, my uh, connections director is like really close friends now with the connection director of another church. And all they do is just solve problems and like come up with ideas and visionary together. It's really cool, you know. So there's that's also a part of the um, the training is that I'm going to humble myself and go and see what somebody else is doing, honor them, ask them questions, ask them to come and see what I'm doing. And I encourage everybody to do that. Like I, I paid for a coach to come and coach Heather, and that's why I saw Heather like increase in like an amazing way. I paid somebody 150 bucks to coach Heather once a month. He was in charge of a, a worship team over 1,200, a church of 1,200. So he's ran into every problem in the book. And it's Jeremiah Grubb. Do you know him? He was Todd White's guy in uh, Power and Love. And he rolls with Dan Moeller and City Quake right now in Tom, with Tom Rutolo. Yeah. So uh, he came and coached Heather. And Heather loved the investment, you know, because she felt like I was taking her seriously. And she became a better leader, which was really cool. So um, assess um, your ministries. Don't be afraid for people to point out flaws because you want to know what they are so you can do a better job. You know what I mean? And, and if you can at all, uh, try to get coached. The, the body of Christ is, is so generous. You know? And it's so easy to go to, a, to another church, somebody who's in your position that's paid. Maybe you're not paid yet because the church isn't big enough yet, but to say, can you help me? You know what I mean? Here, come to my church. I want to show you what it is that I have and what I'm dealing with. And I, can you kind of help me a little bit? And they'll, they'll always say yes, because people are attracted to humility. They're, like you and I talked about that. They're repelled by pride and attracted to humility every time. So if you show up with humility, they'll give you whatever you need. You know.